Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello! The Acast app is a lovely app to use if you haven't downloaded it yet. The podcast is on there, and as we talk about things, little blings pop up, links to things, pictures, uh, and it's a lot of fun to use. In fact, it's the best podcast app out there, if you ask me. Um, It recommends other things for you to listen to. There's a list of the popular stuff, there's a list of the comedy stuff, and it it really is uh, well worth downloading. Um, Acast, A-C-A-S-T. Download it and uh, make the most of it, and as usual, if you can think of three friends to recommend the box set pod to, please do. Welcome to episode 11 of the box set pod. My name's Howell. I'm Jamie. And it's lovely to have you with us again. Um, so last week was a big one. We had David Ayelowo on. This week, music. The best use of music in a box set. Um, and Surely the best job in the world is being a music supervisor. What does that person do who you see on the credits that is music supervisor? Well, we've got Marsha on. She is a music supervisor, and she's got the the inside story on uh, picking music for box sets and how important that is. But also, she has been the music supervisor for all of the Inbetweeners series and films. What a great gig. I know. So she's got the goss there. She was in right from the beginning of the Inbetweeners. She loves to talk, Marsha. She is the kind but you ask one question and off she goes. She's great. Off like a rocket. She will be joining us in a bit. Um, we have uh, a couple of bits of housekeeping to deal with. We've let the discussion of director's commentary fall by the wayside. In the next couple of weeks, we are going to watch an episode of something and do our own director's commentary of it. We'd like to know what you suggest we do a commentary of. We, what episode of anything should we do a, a commentary of? Maybe it's something you love, or maybe, as with lots of things on this podcast, it's something that you don't yet know about and you want us to sell it to you. So make your vote now. Email us. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. What should we do? I mean, the issue is it's going to be a spoilerific mm. one, so we'll have to do lots of warnings on that particular pod. Well, no, I don't know. That's our chat. That's the challenge. That's the game. What to not spoil it? Yeah, to not oh. spoil it and make it an entertaining podcast. That's hard. To make it entertaining for anybody who isn't actually listening to it as well. That's hard. Well, I think we could do it. It should be fun anyway. Either way, that we'll do it. hard. Um, we received an email, speaking of emails, from Ricky. Uh, Ricky, who listens in Norwich in the UK. Um, he says, right, you asked last week to compile a top ten box, uh, box set list of all time. Oh, yes. Yeah, so Jamie and I are going to give you our top... Well, I've done a top five, actually. I've got more thoughts on this in a bit. But Ricky says... Possible categories, though I think you two are better suited to choosing the categories than I am. American, British, Scandi, 
crime, comedy, drama, sci-fi, fantasy, etc. Yeah. You know what? That's a really good point. You're saying you can't just compile yeah. a box set can't, top ten because some some box set, you know, the comedy is a separate sort of box set list of its own. So <laughs> so is Scandinavian stuff. Yeah, I understand well, I disagree. That. I disagree. How will disagree? I disagree. It, of course, you can create different lists, and maybe we'll do that over time. The list at the moment is this for me. It's if you were recommending to somebody, you know, if, if the world was going to end and you got to send into space just five box sets, which five would they be? You, it depends what you're in the mood for, you see, because that, that's why it matters to have categories. Do you know what? I've been thinking about this a lot and I actually found it hard to fill five when you're really honest with yourself and you honestly go, okay, which ones could I not live without? When I look back, which ones affected my life the most? For a person, it's got to be personal. It's got to be personal. Well, I've done a top ten. Well, I'm sure you have, but I'm sure you haven't thought about it as much as me, which is why mine will be better. So this is where we begin an argument. Ricky brings on uh, a question. Do you guys dislike Scandi box sets? No, The first box set I truly immersed myself into was The Wire, but not until 2009. You know what, for me, that was the one that really was a springboard, yeah. Yeah, I I saw some of Lost, some of Prison Break, The Office and Father Ted. It's all like me, actually. But The Wire was the breakout box set moment for me. Absolutely. I think for many people it was. Yeah. The moment I started questioning whether I really wanted to watch a film or maybe a few episodes of the next Grippy You know what? That is a Mm. massive point because that is it's a real defining moment when you think, you know what? I'd rather watch the TV is better than watching a film. Which is why I think Netflix is great, but also the story of Netflix is people get Netflix and then they go, "There's not all the movies on that I love." But it's not the point. What you really need Netflix for is the TV series that are on there because that's the stuff that'll fill up your life and that's what it's really good for um ricky continues i never thought it'd be possible to better the wire a feeling i'm sure many experience after viewing something so gripping and in this case something real but then i saw the killing the original oh Oh, my god yes the original danish version and then the bridge wow the bridge let me just mention the bridge is awesome you haven't seen the bridge that's got (laughs) it's just an amazing show calm yourself down no but we haven't mentioned it yet and it is one of those incredible shows i've also seen amongst many others now the sopranos which i think is my favorite ever though i'm not certain Mm. Uh, i just think that nordic noir has something that nothing else can offer or replace Yet you guys have barely, if at all, mentioned it. he's right. He's absolutely right. I know the box set pod is still in its infancy, and as you have reminded us, listeners, there is a plethora of box sets to be enjoyed. So my question is, do you guys watch any of them? If so, what do you think of them? Okay, I did first series of Borgen. I did. Oh, yeah, uh, you've done Borgen. I've not done Borgen. Borgen's great. Love Borgen. I do want to watch that. I did the Killing first series. I started the Killing Brilliant. and uh, the Bridge, but both of them. I don't know whether it was just a heavy time. You started the Bridge and you didn't like it. The Bridge is brilliant. I don't, I, do you know what? Who done it? And I, I, I didn't go past the fourth episode. We hadn't started this podcast, so we hadn't created the rule of the four episode rules. Oh, I didn't know any better. Um, I didn't go past four episodes on it. It's just the I, who. Mm. I've done Wallander as well. That's very good. Wallander. Uh, but yeah, the favourite for me is The Bridge. I know that um, it's only done two series and it's both of, them, both of them are on Netflix, but that was a winner. The Killing's good, but I know uh, for me uh, that went on a little bit long. I started thinking about why well lily hammer that that i would put that as lily a scandinavian hammer. it's not scandi noir but it's a uh, based in scandinavia yeah and and this this is the thing it, it got me thinking about top tens but also the reason to go beyond the four episode rule can i tell you what i've come up with okay so chuck we've discussed that many times you've got to get beyond the special effects agreed 
It's all about the ensemble. Lily Hammer. You've got to realise that that is not a gangster movie and it's not Scandi Noir. It is comedy about Norwegian bureaucracy. It's a social comedy, which is very funny. What happens if you put a gangster in a place where everything is about the rules and regulations? Um, Mad Men. Chauvinism. You've got to get past the chauvinism and realise that, that it's about the chauvinism. West Wing. Patriotism. Got to get beyond the initial patriotism. Sopranos. You've got to get rid of the idea that they're nasty people. How do you side with someone who is inherently a killer? The Wire. Long and sad. Hard to decipher in the first few episodes because of the, the, the language they use. And Dexter, populist, 70s crime-type structure to it. There's some terrible lines in it because of the advert breaks. You, go, you mean you... Hey, are you that guy I met earlier about 20 minutes ago in that bar? And there's like lines like that in it, which is pretty dreadful. But it's so addictive. So those are my thoughts of how to get over those things. But in, in writing that... I also thought about my top five, and I realised there's only three that I would actually staple my reputation to. If it was a stock market, I would put my money into three things. West Wing, Mad Men, and Chuck. Really? Immediately after, I have Dexter, The Sopranos, and having watched the first two episodes of Better Call Saul, Better Call Saul, I think it's brilliant, we'll come on to that. Um, My other ones are Orange is the New Black, Lily Hammer, and... Game of Thrones. What? Yeah. Okay. That's my top ten. Yeah. But honestly, I think when you but really, you, there's really, only there's only three that there's you only would, three that I would go. You would definitely. Yeah. You know, like best book ever. If you were cleaning out your house and you were keeping oh, your books, yeah. best books ever. Well, maybe West that, Wing, Mad Men, Chuck. Maybe that's how we make the top ten. Is mm. everybody nominates their top three, the or the, the top ones they would genuinely couldn't do without. Jamie, thoughts on Scandinavia and yours. Uh, Scandinavia, well, I love Scandinavian TV. I I would like to see separate genres of the top ten, but my top few, if I was to do the the genuine ones, I would definitely take with me to my grave. Breaking Bad, Sopranos, The Wire, those three. Wow, we don't have the same top three. Not at all, Howell. Which is what we want, really. How can you not put Mad Men in there, though? Mad Men's at number four. How can't you put Mad Men in the top three? Because I love The Wire, The Sopranos, and The Breaking Bad more, Howell. It's that simple. Even more, more than even more than Mad, Mad Men. Men. Even more Breaking than Bad, Mad more Men. than Mad Men. Breaking Bad's a great series, but better than Mad Men. Yeah, I mean, season four of Breaking Bad is one of my favourite seasons of any TV show I've ever seen. So it wow. has to be above that. From then on, Mad Men's in there. Then I've got I've got some comedy in my top ten. I've got Larry Sanders show, which was brilliant in the nineties. I've then got Six Feet Under. I've got yeah. Game of Thrones. I've got Spaced because I think Spaced yeah. was one of my favourite ever. I can watch that again and again. It's the ones that you can watch again and again that are the best in a way. Yeah. Arrested Development, and I end with West Wing. West Wing's in my top ten, but it's at number ten. Howell, do you know um, what it is? Actually, yeah, I'll tell you how I'm rating it. How I think that people will look back. You know when people look back at art, the Shakespeare's still going 400 years later, Picasso paintings are still considered great. It's it's that. It's when they look back in the rubble, which one's going to stand out as a seminal work of art. Yeah. And I think Larry Sanders could well be that. And, yeah. I, and I think that Mad Men definitely is that. Um, but I'm not sure if Breaking Bad will break the mould. I'm sure. I'm not sure if it just broke the mould now. And even Better Call Saul. So let's talk about Better Call Saul. Started this week on Netflix. Watch both episodes. I have only one problem with Better Call Saul, and it's the same problem I have with any prequels. You are you're waiting. You know where the ending is. You know where it's going to end. So you can't not watch it with that. 
Well, it's an interesting viewpoint. case study, this one, because we know where it ends and we know how he gets there. Like, mm. a lot of TV shows might start with, oh, a character flashing back from a point of view. You see them in the future where they end yeah, up. Yeah, and the question and You, you want to know is how they got there. How? Yeah. With this one, you know how he got there. Yeah. But it's, it's, I still am fascinated by it, and I still love the character it's and the world and the writers, so I, I want to stay with There's it. There's nothing other than that. There's nothing spin-off about it at all. What's great about it is it's already broken records. It became, because uh, it was uh, on AMC on Sunday night, mm. it became the biggest premiere of a cable TV show in history with 6.9 million viewers overall. Wow, on cable. And that that's big. But ne- Netflix must, I mean, they've got 50 million plus subscribers on it and it's 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 just so well made from the credits from the opening credits to the comedy to everything about it is so good Vince Gilligan did not need to worry about um, taking on a new project did he no he's awesome he's so a great good job. so we um, we need to get someone on from a Scandi drama. Thank you, Jack, for your email. We'll get somebody on. We're going to work on that. We also want you to send us just the, not the top 10 favourite TV shows, but your essential, the ones you couldn't do without. Just send us that list. If it the, it if could be were, two, it could yeah. be five, it could be 18, it could be one. But whatever it is, send us that, and we're going to try and amalgamate everything into a top 10 from we, that. Yeah, we're talking about your personal teddy bear, the thing that you would clutch to you, you as the without. rocket took off, right? Yeah. What would it be? Email a student. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. We will read your email. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. News time Okay, now. go to theboxsetpod.com slash news and you will find all the latest tidbits. Uh, uh, first of all, I want to mention Saved by the Bell. I have an put... apology to make to you. Really? Mm. To me? got an email from Henry. Right. Who sent me the definition of titbits. Right. In America, it's tidbits. In, in ah, Britain, it's, it's tit bit. I knew it. I knew tit bit. And it must I, come from like blue tits. It must come from birds. I can imagine like little bits. I was right all this time. I've been crumbs. saying tit bit, and you've been having correcting me saying I shouldn't say tit, you and shouldn't. it is tit. I still prefer Tid. Yeah, you're living in the American world, Howell. Yeah. I'm British. I, I believe in the Tid bit. I believe... The what? The Tid bit. <laughs> Damn it, I almost messed up saying it. All right, so Tid, tid bit, yeah? So go for your first... Uh, go to the rock fair, uh, the box set... <laughs> go to the box set pod.com slash news. See it there. There's a latest video of the Saved by the Bell cast who were reunited by Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show. The video's up there. There was no screech. He was busy with his lawyers. But the rest of the cast were there. It's worth watching for anyone who gets nostalgic. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann's heading to TV world as well. Z. With the help of Netflix, he's got a new show he's working on. It's going to be set in the 70s New York. He's looking at the kind of music scene, the R&B, uh, disco, hip-hop, punk scene of the of the 70s, how that all rose out of the rubble of a, of a, a repressed 70s culture. Wow. It sounds like it might be good, but with Baz Luhrmann, I'm never sure because... Yeah, because... With him, because everything is just so uber camp. I do wonder if it'll be like the West Side Story, just with rapping in a boombox. That's the concern. (laughs) Uh, Also, there's a video of the latest... uh, BBC Four's got a new comedy show I wanted to mention, because Mm. Kayvan Novak, a.k.a. the phone jacker, he's got a new comedy show. It's called The Asylum. It's based on, like... The fact that, you know, like um, Julian Assange is trapped in an embassy. Yeah. It's based on the idea of what would a whistleblower trapped in an embassy do with his time. <laughs> and it's 
really good concept. And I love yeah. K Van Novak. He's brilliant in Four Lions. Yeah. And he's a brilliant phone jacker guy. His new show, there's a trailer for it. You can watch it on the website. Uh, also, in other news, Netflix again has got a, another commission. This one is for an actual Nintendo game. It's for The Legend of Zelda. Wow. If you've ever played Zelda, it's one of the biggest games in the history of mankind. And Netflix are linking up with Nintendo to create a game of, th- a kids' kind of Game of Thrones show. Wow. A kiddie version that will be based around The Legend of Zelda. And uh, I imagine it'll be quite popular. Uh, also, I want to mention Steve Coogan's latest comedy is up there as well. He's got a sneaky peek of his latest comedy. It's going on a, a channel, Showtime. I'm going to be showing his latest comedy. It's got, you'll love this, How? Well, guess yeah. who's in it? Who? West Wing's Bradley Whitford. Never. Linking up with Steve Coogan Holy for a comedy. moly pants. Yeah. Are it's you joking? Linking up together, Bradley Whitford and Steve Coogan. It's a dream team. Oh, my God. There's your latest news. That's great news. Uh, thanks very much. Don't forget, we're asking you to email a couple of things. Your box set that you would take into space with you two or three or five whatever you want your list of box sets that's the at the moment we might come on to other categories but right now it's just what you love enough to take with you through the apocalypse email us studio at the box set pod.com that's get luke on and best music use in any episode ever Right, because I, I would like to go out there and say the use of Dire Straits at the beginning of um, the West Wing episode, season two. Uh, I can't remember which one. The um, one Dire Straits, Brothers pillars, in Arms. I think it's pill- actually called Brothers in Arms. Isn't is it, it not called Two Churches or something like that? Or oh, it might be that one. Two cathedrals. <laughs> Let me know your studio at theboxsetpod.com. Yes, it's Luke Marsden's turn to appear on the Box Set Pod. He was once in Big Brother in Great Britain. We now get him on because he knows little bits about TV. I do. Want- Talk to him about Broadchurch. Yeah, but mostly we just like picking on him. If we can get, see if I dialed the number correctly whilst talking. There, that's quite, quite a, a skill. skill. Thanks, thanks. I think so too. What have we missed from last week? I was listening to it and we missed so much. Let's get this crap over with. Oh, hey! that's a that's a borderline swear word. Which, if you listen to two box set pods ago, you'll know Luke does not do swearing. No, I do not do swearing, and I'm throwing. When I say crap, I mean. Um, it's something that everyone should go and and subscribe to and give a five-star rating to. <laughs> you know what? I really think that you've got 60,000 followers on Twitter. Why are you not hammering this podcast? Yeah. Hammer it. I think, I think the main thing is, and something I was speaking to my accountant about yesterday, you haven't got financial reasons this is, is the reason why I'm not hammering it. I'm not paid to promote. <laughs> Hey, let me tell you this, right? You'll get paid. You get paid if, if we get paid, all right? Yeah. If you sweeten up those numbers of the viewing of the listener figures, we'll sweeten up your pay packet, sunshine. Tell that <laughs> to your bank account, accountant mother. <laughs> At the end of the day, anyone who's listening to this now who wants to sponsor the TV box set pod... What the hell? Can, why can't you say the title of this thing? It's been running for 11 weeks. <laughs> the box set pod. Yeah, box set pod. The uh, box people, set pod. The box set pod. People who want to get in touch with it and, and, and sponsor it, please, we're desperate. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but why are you telling the... You should be telling your, your Twitter, Twitter followers. Your Twitter for 60,000 morons who watched Big yeah. Brother listen, yeah. um, follow you. Those chumps will love this. Yeah. For a few weeks, Luke, you've been asking for a theme tune. Five Dangerfield, who makes music for a living as part of the Gillamots and just Five Dangerfield... He brings himself on to the sound of some um, wind chimes. Oh, of course he does. Now, you asked Fife, I, th- I believe it was on the Christmas special, to make you a theme tune. 
Remember that? Oh, I remember. Yes, I remember. I was hungover in a hotel room after a wild Christmas party, <laughs> and I said to Fife, get your piano out, get your cello out, and get me something good. I said, we want something with a trombone and something that fits Luke's personality. Fife has made something. Are you ready to hear this? I, I don't know if I am ready, but when will I ever be ready? I don't know if you'll ever be ready for this. Here we go. <laughs> I had to wash my stuff myself. My mum wasn't there to do it. Who's not who's listening to this? I was not part of Steptoe and Son. <laughs> that is that perfectly encapsulates you and your life right there, Luke. I just I don't know what to say. I feel as though this is the reason why Five Gingerfield has never had a hit in this country. Oh, <laughs> burn! There's literally nothing else that we can say after that. that That's super so good. So that will hopefully bring Luke on every time he's on. Um, there we go. How are you, Luke? I'm not good. I'm not good at all. So let's talk about... Um, <laughs> I want to talk, talk about a bit of TV with you. First of all, Broadchurch with you, Luke. I can confirm, Jamie, that finally me and my girlfriend are up to date on Broadchurch. So I'm now being able to watch it along with everybody else. No and way. I just do not see the point in a, this second season. Well, you know what? This is what I wanted to make a point about. It's a good point about TV shows in general. The difficult second series. And that's what Broadchurch has gone through. The first series, it peaked at 9 million viewers an episode. This second series has been such a disappointment that it's lost almost half its viewers. It was down to 4.5 million viewers for the for the sort of third or fourth episode because people, the, the, the plots they've taken on, the direct the characters have gone in and the way it's almost backtracking on what happened in the first series it's caused a lot of annoyance Jamie I'm absolutely totally in agreement with you and to be, on, to be honest this is a prime example of greedy commissioning editors at TV channels they're seeing the ratings go up they're seeing the hashtag broad church trending they're seeing the praise for Olivia Coleman and thinking oh hang on the average sponsorship's gone up the advertising revenue let's milk it phone daily tenants up but the thing is, like, they're in I, a business. It's the, I, yeah, they're in the business of television. And I'm Luke. not going to lie. I before it came out, I was excited about seeing the second series of Broadchurch. I thought, oh, I can't wait to see where they go with it. It's just they've gone in. It's like they've almost gone into a dead end. It's like they've gone in the completely wrong direction. They've done a Yui. They've done an they've absolute got, Yui. I've done this a few times. They what, what I like to call they've cold sack themselves <laughs> <laughs> why do you why does it sound like a dirty sexual, sexual term. term when you say it Luke's, Luke wants to cold de sack you yeah well that's the way I've thought myself many a time I can assure you <laughs> <laughs> but for me I remember my exact words to my girlfriend at the end of season one of Broadchurch was need a cold de sack after that after, yeah, <laughs> after I cold de sack myself and her oh. I, had, I, had, uh, I said to her there's absolutely no reason to do a second series of this show. There's, I, the only reason to do it is if the ratings are good and they want to bring in the advertising money because there was, uh, there was no no possible reason to do a second series. 
Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. After well, watching it, it's and, yeah, but that's what they're there to do. This is the point: it's show business. It's not just show, Luke. They, you get a popular series like that, of course, you're going to you know, it, and it's good that they do. And you know, TV shows have gone through bad patches and come back strong. I think The Walking Dead's a good example of a show that's gone through bad series and then come back strong in later series. Or even Homeland, another example. You can go through a bad patch. I, think, I even think Breaking Bad went through a bad patch, oh, well, a slightly average patch, and then got brilliant again. So maybe you can fight through these periods of slightly mediocre cul-de-sacking. I think a prime example of, of this would be David Tennant was asked to do the US remake of Board Church called Grace Point. Yeah. He went over to America, played the exact same role, and it absolutely bombed. You know what annoys me most about what you've just said, mm-hmm. Luke, is that you if you listen to the podcast, before. you'd yeah. know that I'd said this exact thing in a previous podcast. Was it you? I thought it was you. I've said it before. I can't remember. Well, it's just noise, you two. Luke, you're getting, on an, you're getting on a rocket ship. You are going into outer space. You're uh, only allowed to take with you two or three box sets. What, no, whatever you deem is the essential amount, but the, oh, the the box sets you have to take with you to another planet or into your apocalypse You're going to live by these things. So this mm. is the only thing I'll watch for the rest of time. Yes. Yes, it is. They have yes. to be really seminal works of art. Right. So the absolute must for anybody getting in a rocket ship and shooting off to space is, of course, Alan Sorkin's The West Wing. Thank for you. me, it was the thing that kind of made me cold de sack myself for the first time. <laughs> it, it was the thing that I kind of just decided that, you know what, I can't like these DVDs, box set, marathon. Thank you. The absolute must would be Alan Sorkin's The West Wing. Yeah, because, uh, is, do you know, you know what, Luke? It's in my top three as well. Thank you. Is there any others? Yeah, I think, I mean, this is a bit of a curveball, which will probably undermine every smart thing I've actually just said a few seconds ago. But you know what? Underrated, you've definitely got a second series. Gina Davis is the commander in chief when she plays the first. Holy! Ever oh, are you telling me you take you take a series that was cancelled after one series with you? Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, similar to I mean, stop. I was the commissioner to stop, of, um, stop. You've cul de sacked yourself. You have cul de sacked yourself too hard, Luke. That is. I mean, putting it next to West Wing, I mean, you, you're going to another planet. Potentially, life on other planets are going to judge the culture of the Earth based on what you take with you. And in and one I, pocket, I, and you're taking, you've got the West Wing, which is fantastic. And they'll be like, oh, OK. And then they'll look in the other pocket and you pull out Gina Davis. It's like taking a rotten piece of fruit next to a perfectly great, ripe piece of fruit. Like a, a rotten banana going in a fruit bowl next to a beautiful avocado. And I'll tell you what those aliens will do to you when they spot Gina Davis's face staring back at them from a DVD box there. They'll probe you. They'll probe you. They'll probe the hell out of you. I think the third show I'd take, and this is probably the final show I'd take due to the marathon of shows that I'll be already taking, for example, The West Wing and, of course, Gina Davis's Commander-in-Chief. Take that right. back. You can't possibly want to take that with you. It's another lady who I think is absolutely exceptional. And no, I'm not going to say Mercy Rhodes, although that's a given if I had to choose four. Um, it's going to be Juliana Giles is The Good Wife. The Good Wife. Yeah, I do hear a lot of good uh, yes. things. And you know, it's one of those shows that I keep meaning to watch The Good Wife. Me too. It's a shame that neither of us have watched it because we really should. We should yeah. be fired from this I podcast. Mean, yeah, it, it, that's on Netflix as well, isn't it? It's, it's on like... Netflix now, up to five seasons on Netflix. They're currently up to season six on more four in the UK and it's just wrapped season six in America and to be honest 
it's brilliant. I mean, Juliana McGarvey's face doesn't move. It's very Julianne anderson because she obviously has had work done allegedly. Um, but I, I feel as though, to be honest, it's, it's just it's, it's captivating TV. It's legal drama for people who don't know what legal drama is. Let me ask you a question. How far down the list, how far from the spaceship is Mad Men? Um, yeah, no. Mad Men, no. I couldn't spend an eternity with Mad Men. Oh my God! What's wrong with you people? Well, you know That's what? So hey, good. Everybody's got their own opinion, even if it's a <laughs> one. <laughs> oh great! Well, I that out. That's more editing to do. Sorry about that. Anyway, thank you, Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. See you next time. Uh, well, thank no, I'll see you in a few weeks. And if you think I'm bad, wait till you get five. What's his face on? He'll have some absolute stinkers to take into space with him, along with his cello. You're not yeah. even kidding. Yeah, we'll Je- get him Jeremy on next Cole's week. In there. Thanks, five. I mean, Luke. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. It's time to talk to Marsha, all right? About the in-between is more important than you. See ya. Go cul-de-sac yourself. <laughs> oh, what? Why are you not hanging up? <laughs> there we go, hung up. Please, welcome to the box set pod. Marsha Shandur. <laughs> Hello, Marsha. Hi. She's Hello. in Toronto. Toronto. What time is it in Toronto? It's... Um, nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, day's just beginning. Yeah, yeah it's just... Uh, Snowy outside. Is it really? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been snowing really heavily for a couple of days. It's, it's kind of... It's just lightly snowing right now, but the snow, where it hasn't been moved away, is like up to, I don't know, maybe like a foot high. Wow. 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 Yeah. How cold is it? Was it like operating? Um, you know what's funny is when I moved here, everyone said, oh, Canadians are so obsessed with the weather. And I was like, I'm British. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, everyone is obsessed with not only what you have to know the exact temperature and you have to know what the exact temperature is that it feels like. So in the summer, it's always like, well, the temperature is this, but with the wind chill, right. it feels ah. like this. So right now it's minus one, but it feels like minus four. This, and in the that's in the winter. And then in the summer, it's like, it's plus 20, but with the humidity, it feels like plus 30. Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. So so actually it's, it's, and one of the things that made me know that I was a true Canadian was when I went out one day and I was, and it was like zero degrees. And I was like, it is balmy today <laughs> so actually minus one is pretty balmy so marsha did uh moved moved she did a leap to canada a few years ago how many years now four years i just had my four year canada anniversary. congratulations thank marcia you was um everybody's friend when she was here in everybody's united kingdom <laughs> everybody loved marsha that's the title of the sitcom that she's now starring in, <laughs> in everybody canada. loves marsha and, yes, um, no, yes. I'll make 10, it into sorry. a box set and then you can discuss it. Yeah, everybody loved Marsha. It's a whole series about a woman who was really popular and now finds herself <laughs> alone talking about the weather. Um, Marsha uh, was worked in radio like us, and that's we, where we met her. And she, but she knew people all across the media, musicians, all of that. And then she started doing this uh, music stuff, um, which sounds like the best job in the world ever what was the job how did it start and how did so you the get job to... was choosing music for tv shows oh my which god it definitely like i mean it's not rocket science and you get very well paid and quite a lot of perks but it's also less glamorous than it sounds because when i first did it 
Like my very first job. It's basically someone saying, okay, here's a scene from a TV show. Now here's every song that's ever been written since the beginning of the history of time. <laughs> Choose one of those songs. Really? Wow. Well, it's usually, usually you have a bit more of a directive yeah. than that. So, so the first show I worked on is, is like the biggest show I worked on was The Inbetweeners. And, um, and they kind of, the reason they chose me, I'd never done anything like it in my life before. And, and it was a brand new show. And they had had some music written for it, um, especially that just wasn't quite working. And one of the writers, Ian Morris, used to work with me at XFM. He, he used to co-host a show mm. with Jimmy Carr yeah. Right, um, yeah. that was on after my show. So we would see each other every morning. And I had this weekly email I used to go out and see like five bands and I and I had a weekly email where I'd talk about it and he'd got onto that I I think he'd been talking about oh I'm working on this TV show and we're trying to find music and I was like I would sign up to my email mailing list and then he sent me an email saying uh, we would like you to come in for a meeting and I thought am I in trouble <laughs> like what's going on <laughs> and um and I went for a meeting and they said we're doing this TV show it's the first time E4 has ever commissioned a sitcom so it feels like a big deal um would you like to choose the music for it and I was like I have literally never done anything like that in my life before but okay 100 quid an episode first one wow um, I didn't even think that I could get the yeah. instrumentals from record labels I was sending them YouTube links and going there's 20 seconds here where there's no singing we can use <laughs> and, th and they've since said that because I was the first person who watched it who wasn't deeply involved you know when you're so involved with something you, you lose all track of whether or not it's any good yeah, yeah. And, um, and they've since said that I was the first person who was like guys this is really funny this is like really funny um, <laughs> but the first series it was all, it did alright on E4 but it wasn't it just kind of did all right. And we were all like, okay, that's nice. And then between series one and series two, it just exploded. And then series two was, it was like the second most watched thing on TV other than the news, maybe. Or EastEnders. Jeez, really? Yeah, it seemed to get like, it, it got popular yeah. through repeats, didn't it almost? It mm, I think that's what it was, is I think it was just constant repeats on E4. Um but also, I think it's because it's just a... Here's the reason I think it's so successful. is One, um, it's about teenage boys, so teenage so teenagers like it yeah. but two it's like it's so brilliantly written that they actually talk like teenage boys talk you know most shows about teenagers they're all super good looking they all are like cool and quippy you know even the nerds are like super good looking guys just wearing a pair of glasses and <laughs> slicking their hair down or whatever yeah. whereas these guys like they're all pretty they're all like you know, interesting, handsome, but kind of average looking. Yeah. So it's just all spunk jokes and I f***ing mum jokes. <laughs> yeah. Which is basically what teenage boys talk about. Yeah. And then the writing is just so brilliant. Mm. Even stuff like I watched an episode the other day for the first time in ages and, uh, and it was the one where Will... Mum goes away, and they're just all making toast all the time. It's just, that's what you do. And that's why I think it's so good. But also, they're just brilliant writing, like the script. My favourite line, which has really haunted me, is in the first series when they go to the to Jay's camping holiday, and um, and they're texting the girl in the service station, and Simon's like, "Okay, so I've written, you know, whatever it is. Great, great to see you. Can't wait to see you. Picture would be nice." 
smiley face and neil goes smiley with a wink it's cheeky and will goes the winky face is the mark of a moron <laughs> and it really but actually apparently the original line was the smiley face is the mark of a moron the winky face is the mark of someone so moronic they took a smiley and made it more wacky <laughs> <laughs> so true it must be such a good feeling it must be especially the first series when you saw a scene and then your music uh, the ch- that you chosen was like playing in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the way that it would work was I would send them kind of between four and eight suggestions for each scene. So we had, I, I knew that they wanted that kind of XFME sort of jaunty indie feel. Um, and then actually, my method for doing it, most music supervisors think I'm crazy. My method for doing it was that I would. I would like get hold of every song I could that would fit into it. And then I had all these scraps of paper and I would write down how the song made me feel. So I would be like running really fast and I'm super nervous or something or like, oh no, let's go. And I had different categories, which were getting on with it, which is just, you know, moving you from one scene to the other. Let's go to work, which is the real like, Um, (laughs) variations of those and then emo. And then I would watch a scene and write down how the scene made me feel and then kind of go through all my scraps of paper and find music. And then I'd send them kind of four to eight suggestions. But um, but yeah, it was cool. It was cool when there were certain things like Duke Spirit or even the theme tune is this band called Morning Runner uh, from Manchester. Like Morning Runner, yeah, yeah. And um and I was so happy that they went with that and not something. I think they wanted Arctic Monkeys, but Arctic, but you have to pay extra money for the theme tune. And Arctic Monkeys are just weird about giving their songs away. Oh really? And, uh, but I think the Morning Runner song is absolutely brilliant. I think it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And you and you picked that. And so yeah, I suggested it. Yeah, I mean, oh, I gave them like three or four suggestions, but that was the one they. Ch- so so ultimately, when you're music supervisor, people think that you choose all the music, but actually. The director and the producers. Yeah, I would totally expect that. In fact, I'm amazed at how much effort you put in. For 100 quid, how many hours per scene do you think you worked? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I probably was making like, I don't know, 20p an hour or something. (laughs) But but yeah, I got paid better for the next two. And then I worked on both the films as well. How much did you get paid for the next two? Oh my god, I can't remember. I think it's probably really indiscreet of me to tell you. No, um, no Kai Owen told it. us. We love it. Kai Owen okay, told okay. us a couple of weeks ago. I think how much I got. got I think it went up. I think I got seven hundred and fifty for the second series, and then a grand uh, per per episode. Per episode, um, nice. So I got more per episode for the second series than I got entirely for the first series. <laughs> um, that's great. Yeah. And did you negotiate that, or did they just offer it up? Just no. <laughs> <laughs> they just could, w- they just offered it, and then and it was funny because the next the the first job I ever got that wasn't in between us was also from them, and it was just for a theme tune. I can't even remember. It was a show I think that either never happened or or, or bombed, yeah. but um, I can't remember what it was. And they were like, "Oh, well, you know, if it's one song and." And when she rang back, I was like, I'm going to ask for it. And I was like, oh, I really want 150 quid for this. But I was like, I'm going to ask for 200. <laughs> and then, then she rang back and she was like, we've been thinking about it. Is there any chance you would take 500? <laughs> <It was right. laughs> Great negotiation. So what did that lead to? What other workers followed that? I started doing like bits and bobs. I did a few pilots and then I worked on Friday Night Dinner, which is Robert oh, yeah, yeah. Great show. Yeah. Great show. Such a great show, a real slow burner. Yeah. Like, you've got to watch a few episodes and then you just love it. Yeah, again, really well written. So I worked on all three series of that. 
Um, and then it was actually when I moved here, I just got to the point where I was listing it on my many long list of different jobs I did. And then through a recommendation of a friend of a friend, someone I don't even know, I got Made in Chelsea for a series. No way. Um, which was really fun to work on because they really wanted lots of new music. And it, and I feel like it broke a lot of bands. Bastille, I put Bastille in when no one knew who Bastille was and wow. it really like exploded their YouTube. Wow. Um, and, it, and and on that video, it was all like people were just talking about the characters in the. It was like a kiss scene, I think, between. Oh God, I can't remember. I can tell you what they look like. I can't oh, we remember. Do. We don't watch. We don't watch it. I've forgotten who they all are. But I worked on the first two series of that and the Christmas special, and then because of that, I think it's the kind of thing like with a lot of stuff. Like once you're doing it, your name is being put about. Yeah. So everyone else recommends you, but actually talking of networking so one of the things i suggest in networking is reminding people of your existence just sending them an email to be like hey i saw this thing in the paper or like i thought you'd be interested in this yeah. since we last spoke but at one point i was working on made in chelsea and i had to sign all these non-disclosure agreements and um and i sent an email and then i suddenly realized after i'd sent it that i'd sent it to someone at a completely different production company that had the same name <laughs> and, uh, and so i had to send her this like panicky apology email and i was like oh my god they're gonna think i'm so unprofessional they're never gonna hire me again and when she wrote back she was like actually i've got some work are you free you know what the problem is though? i i find with um i was watching ashes to ashes uh you know the, the sequel to life mm. on mars i hadn't watched it before i watched it recently that's set in the 80s and there's a lot of like 80s sourced uh, music for the show and almost too much like I found that they almost overused 80s songs to the point where there was no like almost no silence for like just drama to unfold without any music behind it and right. it's kind of hard balance right, to right, get around right. yeah I definitely find that and I often watch films and especially I watch a lot of documentaries and I hate when they're trying to be like feel really sad now guys feel really sad yeah yeah okay, this is the point where you have to feel really excited well I was I saw your name I was like, watching the in-betweeners 2 movie and your name went up on the credits and I was like that's so cool that's the names on the credits of a film yeah, that's amazing I know oh my god the, the in-betweeners 2 actually I just watched it this week even though I worked on it I hadn't watched it really oh right well, it didn't come out here and then I kept meaning to get them to send me a copy but that's kind of complicated because then what did you think of it I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it I, you, you always worry with a second movie sometimes yeah. it can be terrible yeah and but there was just some absolutely brilliant moments i agree completely and it's but so yeah there's there's nothing at the moment really that's doing something that's that um uh childish yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. comedy is i think turned away from i mean it's almost adam sandler end of stupid it's like that that real level of complete dumbness which Dumb and Dumber Two got slated for, and and I think it's I think it's nice to see something that bold, but also that mixes in the taboo stuff as well. And it's, yeah, I was so yeah. convinced that it was going to be poor compared to the first one. I was yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. yeah you thought, always how can yeah. they? How can they do it again? Uh. And well, you'll know this as an insider. Perhaps it's like they just went. We know what we do, and we're not going to change that formula, and that's it. Yeah, totally. But also I do think that the writing, again, I really think that's what holds it up because it is a lot of fart jokes and spunk jokes. And yeah. I mean, for me, the highlight of the film, without wishing to give anything away, is when when um, Will's on the Aquazoom. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> like that I don't think you did. I was like, couldn't breathe. The, I was laughing. The aqua so being the, the the zip slide, or the, the oh, is that is that zip, you know the water slide? The water slide when he yeah yeah let's tell when people so he himself in the water and it's, <laughs> it is no 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 he doesn't no he's on the aqua zoom and he's he's okay are we are we, are we oh spoiling? yeah it's the other one it's the other one yeah yeah. Will's all right, don't, don't say anything. All right, I've let's not, not spoiler it. it. But, but there's some, it yet, anyway, yeah. he's running okay. away from something. All right, and well, then, f- th- I agree with yeah. you. That's the funniest situation. But the funniest moment in the film happens. It's just two shots following on from each other. And it's Will passing out on a zip line, followed by uh, the other, the, talk, the Neil waking up in the car and talking to himself. <laughs> Those two shots back to back had me and my wife almost being sick in the cinema. <laughs> like, like I, I actually laughed so hard that I thought I was going to die and <laughs> or be sick. And it, it really is that funny. The film is that funny. Yeah, it's so good. I want to yeah. ask. Right, give us. Um, yeah, before you go, quick. Uh, what would be your dream TV show to work on doing the music for? Oh, see, the problem is most of my favourite TV shows have really good music. So I'm obsessed with... Can we talk about Les Revenants a little Yeah, bit? go. We've got like three minutes, so let's okay. let's do it. So Les Revenants is this French thing that was on... I think it was on Channel 4. Um, it's on Netflix it's on over Netflix. here. Oh, The Returned. It, yes. The Returned. Oh, my... And Mogwai do the music, and it's... And I think... I was having a debate with a friend the other day, and I was saying I think the music might be better than Twin Peaks music. Why does like, everyone I, call it Les Revenants when, when on Netflix it's actually called The Returned? Returned. Oh, is it not even called? Oh, I think no. I don't know. I, th- I I I may have not acquired it entirely legally. It just makes you and it. other people sound like ponces. You just admitted to acquiring something illegally. Oh, <laughs> right. I'm right. going to tell that. Interpol. All right. Uh, I work in the industry, man. <laughs> so the music for that is awesome. That uh, that particular. I do want to watch that actually. Yeah, they are remaking an American version of it. It's about people coming back to life, but it's not like they don't realise they're dead until they do. And as well as so, it's like a creepy thriller, but it's also kind. Kind of a beautiful study on grief like what would you do if you'd come to terms with the fact that your kid had died and then yeah, they just yeah. come back plus everyone in it is french so they all look so cool yeah all right i'll watch it and then i'll give you our my full review okay okay um before we go some uh an amazing in between us inside knowledge yes. that no one else would know who you is the nicest in betweener uh, you know what? I didn't ever speak to, to the ones who played Jay and Neil very much. I mostly hung out with Joe and Simon, who play Will and um, Will and Simon. Okay. Simon is played. Sorry, Will is played by someone called Simon Bird. Um, yeah. And so I'm going to go with Simon Bird. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really bad about that. But Greg Davis, who plays the teacher, oh, we actually made yeah. friends through him being on the in-betweens. I ended up interviewing him for his DVD, for his last DVD. Oh. And he is an absolute peach. He is one of the nicest people you can ever meet. Have you asked lot. him to come on the box set pod yet? You haven't. No, well, maybe, have you Maybe asked I can him. hook you up. Yeah. You need to ask him. You need to him get him on. Us. We want him on. Right. <laughs> okay. I'll do it. Don't laugh, Marsha. <laughs> no, no, I'm no, I'm serious. We want you to use We've... your networking skills to get us some uh, interviews. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm in. I'm in. Why is she laughing? Why <laughs> is she laughing? <laughs> we need guests, Marsh. Jamie's no, mum, fascinating as she is. My mum's up next because she used to watch um, Cadfile. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, I have a really quick question, Jamie. Yeah. Should I watch Under the Dome? I love an apocalypse thriller. That's why I like The Returned. If yeah, it's a bit trashy though. If you if you want something that's a bit trashy but fun mm. to watch, then watch it because we it's it's kind of fun to watch after a serious drama because it's so like. Right. Um, have you started Mad Men yet? I haven't started Mad Men yet. Unbelievable! Yes, another person. Everybody, everybody, I've, I've been saying to people, I think I have to start Mad Men because my friend Hal says I have to, and yeah. everyone's like, "Oh, I just the misogyny was too depressing. I had to start." <laughs> That's the point of it. Um, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed Survivors, the terrible BBC drama featuring right, yeah. Um, what's his name Max Thingy Robbie Williams' best mate so I think I might enjoy Under the Dome yeah give it a go because yeah it is it's, a, it's an interesting concept and it's Stephen, uh, Stephen King based though who I love yeah but it does get ridiculous but then it's kind of fun to go on that ridiculous journey so yeah to quote Damon Albarn we're out of time we and someone's go. in the studio so we need to go thank you Marsha thanks that was so fun we'll have you back on and yeah, um, yeah do some networking for the box set pod alright Okay, I will do. Thank you very much. Uh, Marsha Shander. Yeah. Find her at Yes Yes Marsha. And um, yeah, what's your website again, Marsh? Yes, yes, Marsha dot com. She's got loads of really good advice of how, if you are a strange person like Marsha and Jamie, to network yourself to the rest of the universe. It's really good. <laughs> Some good videos on there and everything. Yes, yes, Marsha dot com. Um, next week, a man called Russell who was in Stella. Stella, very, very funny man on the pod, the box set pod, theboxsetpod.com. Okay, so fun. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.